In the six Sundays since Easter, our second reading has been drawn from the first letter of Peter, a truly remarkable New Testament writing which deserves far more attention than we give it, especially because it deals in such a penetrating way with a basic reality of life, our suffering. I want to say something about the letter itself and then reflect on the particular inspiration and consolation in suffering that St. Peter offers us here. This letter was addressed to a community whose Christian faith was under pressure and occasional violence from the society around them. Why? The Christians had to withdraw from many of the relationships and practices that defined their lives before their conversions, and their withdrawal attracted incomprehension, resentment, and hostility. The societies these people lived in were saturated with religious practices and associations in which no faithful Christian could share. There were sacrifices to the gods in the household, pagan rituals at festivals and sporting events, friendship and burial societies that were organized around the veneration of the gods. It was as though today you had to pray to Zeus at public meetings, venerate Bacchus at Fenway Park, and burn incense to the family gods at breakfast every day. This is what constituted family, social, and civic life in the cities where St. Peter's audience would live out their entire lives. This is what the culture considered valuable. It was through fulfilling your roles in these contexts, including worship, that you earned people's respect and affection. St. Peter's audience needed to withdraw from much of this life, all the parts that gave emotional support and fulfillment. And instead, they had to rely on God and to follow the radical call of Jesus. But at the same time, they had to obey the law, earn a living, and treat all their neighbors with charity and respect. Each demand, the demand to follow the gospel and the demand to go on living in society, each demand was absolute. And the conflict between them caused great suffering to these early Christians both the inner suffering of confusion and fear of danger, and the suffering imposed on them from the outside, from resentment, suspicion, contempt, and hostility. In his letter, St. Peter offers them advice, hope, and grounds for perseverance. It's a short letter, only five chapters. So this week, please open your Bible and simply read the first letter of Peter. 
I guarantee you will find something that speaks directly to you because we are his audience too. How so? Well, our common social life is shot through with idols, even if they are not called Zeus and Bacchus. We idolize the glamour of consumer goods. We worship the idea that being more attractive or rich or smart or healthy than the next person will make us happy. The idea that true success means getting whatever we want. The deep-seated assumption that each person's expressed opinion or value is as good as any other. The idea that we will be saved by putting a political ideology into practice. Under the onslaught of all these idols, the gospel truth of Jesus Christ doesn't seem to have any solid ground to stand on. Why should we tell the truth when there may be so much advantage to us to stretch the truth or do a bit of cheating? Why should we stand up for the suffering and the forgotten, including the unborn, when there's nothing obvious in it for us and people around us believe that when we do this, we're being self-righteous or sentimental? Why can't we always just go along to get along? But we know we are called to practice virtues like honesty and justice and charity, just as we know we are called to witness to the gospel, even when, perhaps especially when, we may, as a result, become ignored or resented. This daily clash between the demands of faith and the demands of living in peace and goodwill with our neighbors, this clash shows itself in two kinds of suffering. The first is the inner suffering we experience in trying to live and proclaim the gospel in a culture that is by turns receptive, ambivalent, or hostile. It's not always easy to see where you are, except to realize that you are trying to live in two places at once. You try to have an engaged and responsible life in the world, but your true home and eternal home is with God. The life of faith makes us all displaced persons, and we feel that lack of any sure place of safety in this life. The second kind of suffering is the outer one that you undergo by standing authentically for the gospel, and then you suffer the raillery or resentment or contempt or silent rejection of people that you care for or of people whose goodwill you depend on. We upset the apple cart. We threaten the prevailing values. We break the mold. And we must suffer the consequences. 
So what does St. Peter offer us in this inner and outer suffering that comes with the life of faith? To begin with, he is frank and truthful. Christian life, uh, Christian faith actually will bring us into this inner and outer suffering. Jesus does not preach a prosperity gospel. He does not invite us to comfort and ease and success. Of course, we will avoid some kinds of suffering by practicing Christian faith in its fullness. Some at least of the suffering we bring on ourselves by our own blindness and sin. But everyday suffering of pain and loss and getting knocked about by life, all this remains. And faith itself brings on that particular inner and outer suffering that arises when life in Christ clashes with life in the world. But St. Peter, in today's reading, urges us to rejoice to the extent we share in the sufferings of Christ, so that when his glory is revealed, we may also rejoice exultantly. Rejoice to the extent we, re we share in the sufferings of Christ, so that when his glory is revealed, we may also rejoice exultantly. Joy in suffering, yes, because we are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. For as word made flesh, he suffered all that we suffer, the clash of worlds, the rejection, the misunderstanding, the daily grind, and infinitely more, all in his own person. God is with us in our suffering, so we are not alone, and we have hope. Hope for what? For an exultant joy. No mincing of words here, joy. And we can taste that joy in all the suffering that we share with Christ, even in this muddled earthly life. Because sharing in the sufferings of Christ, Christ brings us into that life that we truly hope for. God made us, after all, in his own image. He made us to be loving and just, to order our lives to what is truly good. And deep down, we know this, even though it's a truth easy to forget. Every enticement other than that true good is an empty promise. But in that true good is every joy. Every joy, whether our families or work associates or neighbors see it and approve of it or not. Every joy in success and failure, in suffering and pain. Every joy tasted in this life and offered to us fully in the life to come.
Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.